Beginnings is the series that we started uh, several weeks ago, and we're working our way th uh, through parts of the book of Genesis. You know, we're not going to cover verse by verse in every single chapter, but uh, we are hitting some highlights. And, and uh, so today, Jacob and Esau, a, a famous story that many of us are familiar with uh, if, we've, if we've read through the Genesis. Uh, so far, we, in our walk through the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, we have seen the beginning of creation as we looked at the creation story. We've seen the beginning of sin when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God and they ate that forbidden fruit. Um, and this, you know, this was a very uh, tragic moment in human history as it affects even you and me today as sin still separates uh, mankind from God. <clears throat> we saw the story of how God began again uh, when he found faithful Noah, uh, the, uh, the only faithful human on earth, it, it seems, uh, God had him build an ark, and then uh, he and his family were, were placed on the ark along with a male and female of, of the different animal species that God had created. Then God sent a worldwide flood that destroyed everything else on earth, every man, woman, and child, every animal and bird um, was completely destroyed. So when the flood was over, all the evil was destroyed, right? Uh, God began again with Noah and his family, except God saw that really nothing had changed. Noah was, he was a faithful man, but he wasn't perfect. And there, those who came after him continued to sin, just like before. They began to worship other gods. They, they continued to live in godless ways. And, and God's plan to get mankind back to him somehow, uh, rather than trying to convince mankind as a whole, the whole world, to turn to him, God decided to work through one man, one family, one nation uh, to try to bring, to bring salvation to mankind. And so we saw how God decided that this nation would begin with a man named Abraham. God called Abraham to move from his homeland to the promised land, to Canaan. <clears throat> and there God promised Abraham that he would be a, a great nation, that his name would be great, that, that he would be blessed and his enemies would be cursed, and that all people on earth, including you and me, would be blessed through, through, through Abraham, through God's promise. Um, last week on Valentine's Day, we saw the second generation of God's family and the nation uh, that he began uh, as we saw him bring together um, Isaac and Rebekah, Abraham's son Isaac and his wife Rebekah. It was a marriage arranged by God, but that led to a lifetime of love between those two. <clears throat> and so now it's time for the third generation of God's plan for mankind and man's redemption. Uh, this story involves twin boys that were born to Isaac and Rebekah, and their names were Jacob and Esau. We find the story of Jacob and Esau in the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We're going to be reading mostly from that today. Um, now, while they were indeed, Jacob and Esau were indeed twins, they were anything but identical. <laughs> uh, in fact, they were about as different as night and day. Uh, they had personalities that somewhat clashed with each other. Uh, it was a strained relationship. Uh, much of their lives, even before they were born, there was a 
some, some wrestling going on between them. Let's, let's read about that in Genesis 25, 21, and 22. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? Now, now this jostling... Um, this movement around that's inside the womb. I, I have no idea what that feels. Many of you ladies understand how that feels. Uh, probably not many of you understand how it feels to have twins jostling around, but it may have been just normal movement within her womb. Uh, but it looks like it may have been a little bit more than just normal movement, as we see when God, when Rebecca goes to God in prayer about this movement that's going on inside of her. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 22 and 23. She went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now again, while it may have been just normal movement that, that happens during a pregnancy, it was a chance at least for God to let Rebecca know that this jostling that's going on inside of you between these two boys, it's only just begun. It's only just begun. <clears throat> and so the day finally came for the twins to be born, and it was immediately apparent uh, that they were indeed very, very different. Let's, let's look at verse 24 through 26. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. <clears throat> the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Now at birth, uh, we observe a few things. First, Esau was first. Uh, that's important to the story. Esau was the firstborn, which uh, was pretty big deal in that culture. It's not so much these days, but in that culture it was. Uh, even for twins, the firstborn, even if, 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 uh, if the second was born sec just seconds after the first, uh, it mattered who came out first, even with twins. Because the firstborn had, had certain privileges that would be given to him as part of being the firstborn. He would automatically be in line for the leadership of the family, sort of like royalty, you know. Uh, you 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 uh, inherit the the leadership of the of the family if you're the firstborn, <clears throat> um, and also his share of the in inheritance was uh, for the firstborn was sometimes larger than everybody else's. So they got a little extra when it came to in inheriting things. So being a firstborn was a big deal. Secondly, Esau was red and hairy. We see besides besides the fact that that made Esau you know an interesting looking baby as as you can imagine uh, we'll see later how these physical traits played it played a role in his life and thirdly while Esau was born first Jacob his twin brother came out right behind him uh, apparently not even seconds but just with him uh, holding on to Esau's heel now that's a big deal because it symbolically represented how life was going to be uh, for the two later um, now, we don't have a description of what Jacob looked like other than he was not red and hairy like his brother. So he looked very different. The, the boys grew, and it was apparent from the beginning that these boys would be as different in life, in their life, as they were at their birth. Let's look at verse 27. 
The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Now Esau, the red and hairy baby, grew to be a red and hairy man. Uh, he, he loved hunting. Uh, he became good at it. He loved the open country, being out in nature, uh, given the choice between attending a gathering with local prominent leaders, rubbing elbows with the wealthy herdsmen of their community, or sleeping under the stars uh, around a campfire by himself. Uh, Esau would rather do that. He'd rather do that. Now Jacob, on the other hand, was content to stay at home among the tents. Uh, uh, sort of a modern-day way of saying Jacob was a homebody. Uh, he was not interested in the wild or sleeping under the stars or hunting wild game. That just wasn't him. Uh, he liked being around civilization and, and, and enjoying the comforts of home. Esau and Jacob had two distinct personalities that, that, that were neither right nor wrong. They were neither good nor bad. They were just different. You know, that's, that's the beauty of God's creation, isn't it? Uh, uh, mankind, is that, that we're all different. Every single one of us in this room and watching on Facebook, we're all different. None of us are the same. Uh, you know, how boring would life be if we all looked exactly the same? We're, you know, besides having to figure out who everybody was, um, you know, if we all had the same talents, if we all had the same skills, you know, uh, if we all liked the same things, if we all thought exactly the same way, how boring and strange that would be. You know, God made us different on purpose, and that's one of the things that makes life so, so beautiful and interesting. Uh, all of us who uh, who have children, who, uh, if you have, especially if you have more than one child, uh, you know you know how this can be, how how important that is, or and how it affects your life. You know, our first child comes along uh, and presents his or her personality to us, uh, and we think, ah, so this is what it's like to have a child. And we sort of uh, order our lives, don't we, around that first child's personality. And we figure, oh, I guess this is the way it is. And then we know what happens. Then we have that second child. And, and we soon realize that everything that we thought was true about children uh, is turned upside down. <laughs> you know, while our, our first child was relatively quiet and, and compliant and listened and obeyed instructions and was ready to follow every command that we had, uh, the second child put their foot down and they said, no, I'm not going to do that. Of course, we didn't let them get away with that, right? But, but that's how they felt. They were a rebel. We're not going to do it. Or maybe it was the opposite. You know, some of you have it the other, the other way. You, you get the, the rebel first, right? And, and then the compliant one second, and that throws you off because you're ready to fight, and this one, the second one doesn't want to fight. Uh, and, and then when you throw in the third one and the fourth one and, and others and it, with, with personalities all in between that, but even though learning how to deal with those differences can be a challenge sometimes, and, and it always is, there's a learning curve, right, with our children's personalities, um, isn't it wonderful that God made us different, made our children different? I mean, how boring would it be if all of our children were perfectly compliant all the time? I've actually heard parents say, I just wish uh, my kid would just do something wrong once in a while because they're just so, <laughs> I think something's wrong with them. Uh, or, or how exhausting would it be if all of our children were rebellious all the time? 
Uh, and so a mixture of personalities makes life more interesting. <clears throat> Esau loved the outdoors, and Jacob loved the comforts of home. They both were made the way God meant to make them, wonderfully made in their own way. But while personalities are neither good nor bad, they're neither right nor wrong, our personalities can sometimes challenge us in the choices that we make. And it certainly did for Esau. Uh, when, when I think of Esau, I imagine this large, muscular, red-headed, hairy man who's he's loud, he loves to laugh. He commands attention when he enters a room, a great presence, you know, you know he's here, you know he's there when he walks in. We learn from Genesis 25, 28 that Esau was a daddy's boy. Uh, uh, Jacob or Isaac, you know, was uh, Esau was Isaac's favorite. Um, he and his dad were like this when it, when it came to their relation their, their relationship. I'm, I imagine them spending lots of time together, joking and laughing and and slapping each other on the back and swapping tales of hunting and and outdoor adventures. It was a lot of one upping, like oh that ain't nothing. Let me tell you this other story that's better than that. Esau was a, a hunter, and he didn't in, need anybody's help to survive when he was in the outdoors. He was self-reliant in his element. But while this personality worked well for him when he was on the hunt, where he could do whatever he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, it didn't work well for him when his needs relied on the, on the actions of others. Then he struggled a little bit. And this was borne out one day when Esau came in from being out all day hunting. Let's look at verse 29 through 30. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And that is why he was also called Edom. It looks like Jacob, more of a mama's boy, uh, Jacob was was Rebecca's favorite. Uh, Jacob was doing one of the things that he loved to do. He was hanging around the tents and cooking. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, some of our greatest chefs have been men, right? Uh, to enjoy cooking is neither right nor wrong. It's, it's just who Jacob was. That's what he loved to do. Home from the hunt, Esau barged in loud and hungry. It looks like a, a you know, it took a lot of food to sustain somebody like Esau. You know, uh, his lifestyle, we've, you know what that feels like when you've been out in the sun all day in the summertime working in the yard, or maybe you've been out fishing or swimming all day, and, 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 and you know how you feel when you come in from a day like that and you're just starving, you're, you're really hungry for something to eat? And so Esau's like, quick, let me have some of that red stew that you made. Uh, I'm famished, I've got to have it right now. And it's here we see the personalities of the two boys turn from simply um, uh, one of those, the, the, the individuals that they were, to the choices that they made and the way they behaved. Let's look at verse 31 and following. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew 
He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. You know, Jacob, who in this case is calm, he is not desperate right now, takes advantage of his brother who he knows can be very impulsive, especially when he wants something really bad. Yeah, I, I've got food. I got really good food for you. Uh, you think you're about to starve. I'll give you some stew if you'll give me your birthright. Give me your status in the family, uh, your inheritance advantage, and I'll give you some stew right now. Now, here is a calm and in-control person choosing to wrongly take advantage of a desperate, out-of-control person. Now, Esau, the happy hunter, is not happy right now at all. Uh, He's starving, or at least he thinks he's starving. Now, is he really starving? No, he's not starving. We've all, you know, felt like, I've got to have something right now, but we're not going to die. That's the way he felt at that moment. Now, led by his emotions and his physical need, Esau chooses to do, for lack of a better word, a really stupid thing. (laughs) A very stupid thing. He, He trades his status in the family, which would affect the rest of his life, for a bowl of stew? We've always felt like that. That made any sense, right? Those of us who know this story, um, we, 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 look, we, we, we know that that's a stupid thing to do. Um, uh, led by his emotions and his physical need, Esau chooses to do a stupid thing. Now, now we say that that's a stupid thing to do, and we look at Esau, and, and we think, how, how ridiculous is that? But, but if we're really honest, before we try to point our fingers at Esau for doing this. Uh, have we ever done anything like that before? Have we done anything? Uh, you know, have we done something stupid to get a, a brief, immediate pleasure in our life? I bet we have. I bet all of us have. You know, we see something in front of us, something we want, and we know the consequences if we take it or do it could be bad for our lives, really bad. But the need for immediate gratification, momentary pleasure, momentarily blinds us and makes us stupid. We've all done that. How many people have been unfaithful to their spouse uh, because they just wanted, threatening the destruction of their marriage, their family, maybe their career, just for a brief moment of pleasure? in their lives. Esau ate the stew, and when the blood went from his stomach back to his head, he realized how foolish and stupid he had been. But it was too late then. He had already promised to give his birthright. So Esau decided to, it says, despise his birthright. You know, that may have just simply mean where he said, ah, eh, who cares? Who cares? I don't really care about that anyway. But, of course, he did care about that anyway. Uh, and uh, he, was, uh, he was holding it against his brother Jacob, and his feelings about Jacob began to grow um, and, and build until the next time Jacob decided to take advantage of his brother and take another privilege from Esau. Uh, this time, it would be his father's final blessing. 
Genesis 27, we read the story of Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, scheming to trick Isaac, Jacob's father, into giving Jacob, who was the secondborn, a blessing, a blessing that should have gone to the firstborn. Here was the blessing that Rebekah wanted her son Jacob to receive. Genesis 27, 28, and 29. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. That was the blessing Isaac uh, was going to give one of his sons, uh, was supposed to be Esau. But that is the blessing that Rebekah wanted Jacob to receive. The blessing that Isaac would give one of his sons was basically passing on the promise that God made to Abraham <clears throat> uh, that, 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 that God would build his new nation through the son that receives this blessing and that all others would bow down to him. Isaac wished for this blessing to go to his favored son, Esau, who rightfully should have received it because he was the firstborn. Rebecca wanted it to go to her favorite son, Jacob. Now, this, this was an issue that, that Isaac and Rebecca dealt with that, uh, that wasn't healthy for that family. Now, God intended the blessing also to go to Jacob. Uh, that was symbolized by Jacob holding on to Esau's heel when he was, coming, when he was being born. Uh, but God did not intend for it to happen this way through deception and lies. Uh, perhaps Rebecca uh, was trying to do the same thing that Sarah did, uh, Abraham's wife Sarah did, uh, and try to help God fulfill his promise. Uh, but not this way, not this way, not through deception, uh, which is what happened. Yet, as we see, and we even saw before and always, God can even take the mistakes we make uh, and use them in his kingdom. To, to further his work, and he did here as well. Isaac, who was nearing, he was very old, and he was nearing his death, he sent Esau, his favorite son, off to hunt wild game, and to come back, prepare the game that he gets into this meal that Isaac really loved. And, and, and one of those stews that they had enjoyed together when they were on their hunting trips. Um, and Isaac promised, after I eat this meal that you make for me, then I'm going to give you your promise. So, of course, Esau went off immediately to, to fulfill his father's wish, uh, look for a game, kill some game, bring it back, cook it, give it to his dad, anticipating, I'm finally going to receive this promise from, from my father. Maybe they had talked about it many times. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the, to the day that I can give you the promise that's coming your way. So as Esau goes off for the hunt, Rebecca, overhearing their conversation, she schemes with her son Jacob on how they can steal the blessing from Esau for, for Jacob. She devises a disguise that they hoped would fool Jacob's father into thinking that he was actually Esau. Isaac was very old. He was, he was feeble. He was blind. 
So, so Rebekah dressed Jacob in Esau's clothes, put hairy animal skins on his neck and on his arms, uh, and then sent him in with some stew that she had made, uh, that Rebekah had made, to, to present to Isaac. It worked. The scheme worked. And while Isaac was skeptical at first, because, you know, Jacob still sounded like Jacob, he didn't try to disguise his voice, when Isaac smelled Jacob, um, the, because he was wearing Esau's clothes, uh, it convinced him, ah, well, you smell like Esau, so, you know, my, my, my ears are playing tricks on me, I guess. It must really be you. So Isaac gave Jacob the blessing. Well, as you can imagine, uh, when Esau came back and presented his meal that he had made, for his dad, anticipating his blessing, um, he, he quickly realized what had happened, that his brother, his younger brother, had duped him, and he had received the blessing, and it was too late. Apparently, in that culture, uh, once you say it, once you swear it, once you pledge it to God, you can't take it back. You see, you know, I've always thought, well, why didn't Isaac just do a redo? Um, you know, what, what would be the big deal about that? But apparently, what Isaac fell. Once you pledge it to God, it's done, and you can't take it back. Uh, the deal was done. Leaving Esau, he still received a blessing, but it wasn't the one he wanted. Here's the blessing that Esau received, verse 20, 39 and 40. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother but when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Great consolation blessing, right? Wasn't that great? Uh, Jacob gets all the riches and the honor and the respect, and I get no riches and, and confrontation. And I have to bow down to my younger brother. Well, you can, you can understand this next verse, verse 31. Esau held a grudge against Jacob, you reckon? <laughs> because of the blessings his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Ouch. Now, how many of us could understand Esau's feelings about his brother? Uh, they weren't warm and fuzzy, were they? Uh, he had been duped again, and these were serious deceptions that affected Esau for the rest of his life and for, you know, his descendants as well. So what was his reaction? What decision did he make because of what his brother did to him? I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill my brother. As soon as my dad dies and his mourning period is over, my brother is toast. He tricked me out of my birthright. Now he's stolen my blessing my brother has to die. Esau's personality was loud and it was forceful. There was a lot of energy in Esau. You take the bull by the horns, get things done, don't beat around the bush, tell it like it is. And, and along with those traits, you know, which can be great, uh, they, they can be good characteristics of a personality. We, I see also in him a hothead who struggled controlling his anger. He had every right to be angry, didn't he? Wouldn't you have been angry with your sibling if they had done that to you? Jacob committed a grievous sin against his brother, 
But anger must never lead to sin. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Paul doesn't say, do not be angry. He said, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let Satan get his foot in the door uh, by using your anger to cause you to sin. Yeah, stealing your brother's blessing was terrible. <laughs> but was murder any better than that? You know, isn't murder a sin just like deception is? Did Jacob deserve death for what he did? You know, he deserved something, but did he deserve death for it? Did, did Esau have the right to decide whether someone should live or die? And was Satan tempting him in his anger, getting his foot in the door to cause him to take his anger to a level that made him sin? That's what was happening. Esau had a strong personality that liked to take charge of a situation. But his strong personality, his struggle with anger and self-control did not give him the right to sin against God. Yet, at least for now, that was the decision he made. I'm angry, and that's going to result in murder. Have you ever been tempted to say something like, you know what, I know this is wrong, but I just can't help it. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. I've talked about this many times through the years. Um, I have a problem with anger, you might think. I, I, just, I just can't help it when I blow up and call my wife terrible names. I just can't help it. I, I, I can't help it when my kids bug me and, they, and, and I snap and I blurt out some insult to them. I can't help it when, when I rake my kid's teacher across the coals for daring to punish my child. I just can't help it. That's just the way I am. I'm a hothead. I just think that if a thought comes to my mind, I just need to say it. Tell it like it is. You know, let the chips fall where they may. If it hurts feelings, well, too bad. Too bad. That's just the way, that's the way my mama was, and that's just the way I am. I just tell it like it is. I love to gossip. Boy, I'll, I'll have to admit it. I start talking and I just can't stop. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. <clears throat> I have a weakness towards lust or lying or addiction or unfaithfulness, shopping, overspending. I, I, I just can't help it. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. Now, you and I ha have been blessed with personalities that God gave us. You know, it, it's, it's neither our personalities. They're neither right nor wrong. They're neither good nor bad. It, it's who we are. We are who, who God made us. It, it, it's, it, it's what we do with those personalities, with our lives, with who we are that determines right and wrong, good and bad. You know, Esau seemed like a fun person uh, to be around, especially if you like energy and laughing and the outdoors. All that's good, right? All of that is good. But all the good in him was wiped away when his anger led him to decide to murder his brother. 
you know, in, in your passion for life, your emotions may want to lead you to outbursts of uncontrolled anger. In your desire to be practical, you may develop a callousness towards people's feelings. Well, don't really care how they feel. In your desire, uh, in, in, in your pursuit of the joys of life for yourself, you may fail to see the pain that people around you are experiencing. It's so easy to simply give in to our weaknesses because we feel trapped in them. That's just the way we are. We can't use our personalities to justify sin. Because sin is a choice that we make. Sin is never forced on us by others, and it's never forced on us by the way we are. It's always a choice. And so, we always have the choice to choose to do the right thing. To, to make the godly decision. And even Esau figured that out as time went by. You know, the story of uh, Jacob and Esau continues as Jacob <clears throat> flees for his life. You know, his, Rachel, his mom, uh, Rebecca, his mom, um, hears and understands that Esau's going to kill him. So she warns him to run. So he, he runs and he flees to her hometown uh, many miles away. And there he lives his life for many years. He, he meets his wives, Leah and Rachel. We'll talk about them later. Um, he starts a family there, and he becomes very wealthy. And after several years, many years, he decides, you know what? I need to go home. I haven't been home since I left, uh, and I need to go back. But I wonder how it's going to be with Esau, with my brother. And so he comes up with this elaborate plan of how he's going to put, parade his family in front of him before he actually uh, comes up from the rear and and uh, he's anticipating meeting his brother Esau. He has no idea how Esau feels. All he knows is last time he heard from him, he was going to kill him. Um, so they, they, they come to each other and they see each other. And look at what happens in Genesis 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept. What a great ending. What a great ending. Now Esau's anger over the years had been replaced with forgiveness and love for his brother. He chose, he chose to do what was right rather than what his anger wanted him to do. You know, sin is always, it's always a choice that we make. Let's never try to justify it by putting the blame on our personalities. God won't accept that, and neither should we. Neither should we. Instead, let's use the power that God gives every Christian that can overcome any temptation, even the weaknesses of our personalities. The Holy Spirit that lives in every Christian. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, verse 4, Dear children, you belong to God. You have not accepted the teachings of the false prophets. That's because the one who is in you is more powerful than the one who is in the world. That's an, another way of saying the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is more powerful than you are. 
in your flesh. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, So I say, live by the Holy Spirit's power. Then you will not do what your sinful nature wants you to do. Yielding to the Holy Spirit, that's the secret to choosing to do what's right, to overcome the weaknesses that we have. As a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and if you're, if you're a baptized believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and his power living in you. Uh, we can choose to do what God wants us to do, no matter our weakness, no matter what we've learned from others, no matter what our personality traits are. We can still choose to do what's right with the Spirit in control. We get to choose always to do what's right. So, whether you're a hunter or a cook or an introvert or an extrovert or a type A or a type B personality, uh, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, a glass half empty or a glass half full kind of person, no matter who you are, let's not let our personalities be an excuse for wrong choices in life. Embrace the way God made you. It is beautiful in its own way find ways to use your uniqueness in his glory and let your choices in life be determined not just by who you are but by following the one who lives in you father thank you so much for this uh this great story we've enjoyed so much the 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 journey through the book of genesis as we see all these these uh these great characters these great personalities uh, we, we see, first of all, that they weren't perfect. Abraham, Isaac, uh, Rebecca, Sarah, uh, even Noah, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. None, none of these were perfect. They all had weaknesses. They all struggled with sin, just like we do. But help us learn, uh, as we read these stories, from both their victories and their mistakes to see what you want from us. Lord, um, uh, Jacob and Esau did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And so they, they, they had a, a, a challenge even greater than us. But you and I, we, Father, you have given us the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of each one of us. And with that power, we can choose to do what's right, no matter what. Uh, we can let him influence us and guide us rather than others or even our personalities and our weaknesses. So Father, thank you for this story. Help us to learn and grow from it uh, and to always walk in step with the Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.